Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Ray Ferraro and Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome, everybody, to the Pulp Hockey Podcast. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Please subscribe on iTunes. Get it on Stitcher, pulphockey.com as well. And uh, the Stanley Cup final is here. The teams are set. Chris Kunitz scored probably less than 10 minutes ago for the Pittsburgh Penguins in the second overtime to uh, send them to the final. And to talk about that, the Stanley Cup final prediction and much more, is a much smarter man about hockey than I am. TSN analyst, former NHLer, Ray Ferraro. What's up, Ray? How are you? Well, like everybody else, I thought this game was going to be done hours ago. Yeah. But when you think about the way that the series has played out, um, it's I guess it's not at all surprising that there was, at the end of it, not much to choose between the two teams. And, um, you know, I, I said today um, in a couple of shows I was doing, um, you know, today being earlier of Game 7, that, mm-hmm. you know, that I, I've done enough Senators games to To know that every time you think they can't win, they're still there. Right. But somewhere along the line, I thought either Malkin or Crosby would have something to do with what goes on, and maybe that could be the difference. And not that not that Sid was dominant or anything like that, but in overtime, it was you know he he makes that spin play mm-hmm. where the defenders kind of right with him. He he did it to Mathot in the previous overtime. It was just great stuff to watch how hard the two of them were working. But he just spun off of that check and you know fight, gets it to Kunitz and what a game seven he had. And then that just think of all the chances that could go in. It's a miss hit. Yeah. It's you know it, it's not a clean shot. You can see Anderson. You know when they when they butterfly wing up their shoulders they're they're just trying for something <laughs> Make to get a, in the yeah, way. They yeah. don't even know what. Just so, hit something, <laughs> and yeah. it's it, it's just you know sometimes it just it, it, it's just not your day. And there it is, perfect, perfectly placed. Although it's not like he's trying to shoot it there, and it's in the right. net, and Pittsburgh goes on. That's really what it is. Like if I'm a coach in a game seven overtime, I mean I know this can bite you, but literally players are tired, ice is shitty. Throw it at the net. Just start throwing it at the net. Well, with a, with a couple of minutes left, um, Pittsburgh had that chance uh, in regulation. Scott Wilson, it was a yeah. puck kind of bouncing around. He shot it from almost right on the goal line, and that almost went in. Mm-hmm. And you're you're like, that's the play. The play is whenever you get the puck, whatever you think you should do, you should shoot it. <laughs> right, exactly. Because it could, uh, what was it, um, just after Pittsburgh scored, um there was that chance that uh, got shot towards the net and hit Malkin in the foot. Yeah, and hit the post. Yeah, and I mean, I in in I you know in in summary, I guess of the you know the the the, the better team won. The team that yeah. had uh-huh. the most quality chances won. Um, the 
I got a good buddy that says, you know, they should change the name of the game from hockey to goalie <laughs> yeah. because that's the most important thing. And Anderson was the last two games was just amazing. And, you know, those guys are going to feel a lot of pride and they're going to feel really great about they did about what they did. Mm-hmm. But years from now, when they're sitting around and they're 50 years old, they're going to be talking about with their buddies about when they were in game seven and double overtime and, Man, if not for this bounce or that bounce, or I mean, yeah. you can't get any closer. No, it's just it's a remarkable, remarkable run. And you know what the crazy part is, um, you look at this Senators team, and if you go by just what the averages are, there's probably six or seven of those guys in the lineup, six of them in the lineup that won't be there next year at some at, by the end of next year. Mm-hmm. Changes get made. Things happen, you know. They're going to lose somebody in the expansion draft, or you know, they've got some free agents. Some won't be back, and it's just uh, it's a tough, tough, tough business. Well, it's like um, you know, you win the president's trophy, and, and that is you know five months, and and that's that's grueling, and you deserve it, and and you got to go through injuries, and, and you've proven to be the best team in the league uh, over everybody else, and then uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs are almost like. Can you get on a roll? And you were there with the Islanders. The Senators did it this year. Uh, uh, Nashville's on it now. It you just can you get on a roll? And it doesn't mean much for the next year. No, it's it's really really why what Pittsburgh's done here even more remarkable for all the injuries they've had to win and then come back and now they're back there again with virtually the same team. I mean they added. Who did they? Well, they they got Trevor Daly. They got Hainsey. Hainsey. Yep. Um, they got a couple of young guys in Gensel and Wilson, who didn't play a whole lot last year. But for the most part, it's it's all the same band, mm-hmm. and that's even more remarkable to me in in today's in today's salary cap world. In in the old days when. You know, Montreal won five cups in a row, and the Islanders and the Oilers won four cups in a row. Mm-hmm. You know, three teams won the cup in 13 years. Yeah. You know, it was the same team over and over and over because you had no salary cap. You could keep the team together. Nobody was really breaking the bank financially. And now that's just not possible. They're, the Penguins are in a real sweet spot here. And, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see for lots of teams – if they can mimic this, because don't forget, at the top end of their salary structure are Sid and Malkin, and they're at $8.7 million. They're not at 12 where they should be. Yeah. And that's, yep. that's a game changer for them. Yeah, absolutely. Look what Chicago's going to go through. Um, well, you know. I mean, now, now yep. they got they got $21 million tied up in two players. Yep. And then that doesn't even count the $7 million or so that they're paying for Seabrook and mm-hmm. that has years left. I mean, they're... All of a sudden, you get you start paying just to stay the same, and the Penguins have they've been somewhat lucky in that you know they've they've been able mm-hmm. to you know to have contracts for Malkin and Crosby that are you know quasi affordable for two of the very best in the game. It's uh it's going to be interesting if they can if they can if they can win, and we'll talk about that matchup in a second. We haven't had a back to back winner. I didn't even realize this, right? Because as I get older, like. Things happen that happened so long ago just seemed like five six years ago. Yeah, you but. can't even. There's no. There's no time. No perception anymore. You're like, no. yeah, yeah, just a couple yeah, of years ago. Right. And you're like, no, no, no. That was a that was a decade and a half ago. Seventeen years ago. 
yeah. Red Wings went went uh, back to back, uh, and uh, and I was like, oh shit, like <laughs> right, I'm getting old. Uh, so yeah, they're they're trying to do that, you know. And again, growing up in an era where, like you said, four teams wanted in 13 years or something or whatever, uh, it's like that's just remarkable. crazy when you think of that. You know that like how did how did nobody else weasel their way in there to win? <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, yeah. like the Montreal one, and yeah, My, you know they, there were a couple of close calls, but they were know, the weasel. Year, they lost yeah. eight games. Yeah, yeah. Well, the eight, Habs in '86 were the weasel team for sure. Right. Well, yeah. yeah I mean that. Yeah. Well, so let's think here. They so by the time those all those um, cups were done, that might have been the only because well, the Islanders won until eighty. Yeah, eighty four. Eighty four, and then the Oilers. Went on their run. They went two, two, and then Oil, and then Habs. the Canadians got in there for a little burst. Yep, and then it was right back to the Oilers. Yep, two more. You know, and so you're like from the mid seventies, <laughs> right? <laughs> like that's crazy to remember it as that, but yeah. that's kind of when it was, right through to 1990. Yeah, it was kind of the same teams. Who and that'll that? never be again. That'll yeah. that'll never ever happen again. Yeah. Um. And I didn't, because I came upstairs to prep for this podcast, so I didn't watch. Did you watch? Did they touch the trophy? Now, you know what? You and I should know this. Okay. And we don't because I had to come down. I came downstairs um, to see if, um, you know, if they, uh, if they touch or to get ready for this. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, no, I don't, uh, I don't know. And I, and so I came upstairs, of, and I came upstairs to get ready for this. So and where do you stand on that, Ray? I just think it's ridiculous. Oh, pick it up. You earned it. You won it. Like, what the hell does it matter? Right, right. Going, going forward, you know, like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me one way or the other. You want to pick it up? Pick it up. You don't want to pick it over or pick it up? Don't. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, by the way, yeah, I just looked. So Crosby picked it up. He, he picked it up last year. They won. Yep, yep. So he's done it. They got there four times. The first time he didn't touch it and they lost. Second time he picked it up, they won. Third time they won. How could <laughs> how could anything you do with that trophy matter in the finals? Right. You could you could take that trophy and slide it down the ice like a curling rock. And it would have no effect on what happens in on no, on game no, one. No. It just I mean, it's a nice story, and somewhere somebody must have realized that, oh, gee, the last three teams didn't win when they picked up the trophy. But Who was to me, you win, you celebrate that trophy, and then when you're in the room with the trophy, you go, guys, this is awesome, and now that we've won it, it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. And everybody would, everybody gets that. Nobody grew up saying, gee, I hope we get the Prince of Wales trophy in our lifetime. <laughs> Nobody's running around their driveway doing that. Um, it's almost like that stuff to me is for is for the fans. Yeah, who? Because the guy, I, I don't know. If you believe it as a player, yeah. Um, you got I mean, you you yeah. probably you probably have to not step on a crack, and yeah. uh, when you're walking on the sidewalk, and you got to drive the same route, and um, I mean, I, I guess I thought of it a little more you, when I played. You now did it's because just, you're the chicken parm. You know, that's that's your signature. No, move. but that was on TV because it was the only restaurant we had. <laughs> okay, all right. That but, was not a superstition. Um, who started that? What jerk off started not touching it and saying, "Oh, that's not the one we want. That's not the one we oh, want." I don't know, but it really makes you sound like you're really focused. <laughs> I know, right? Um, because it's not. It, well, it's a little late tonight, but in most cases, um, 
you know, the guys are going to go get a good meal and yeah. have a few beers and drink some wine and relax. And, you know, tomorrow is, is Friday and they're not going to get anywhere near the rink and they might not get there Saturday either, you right. know, but it's like it's time to rest and recharge and, you know, get get a massage and, you know, nobody's really thinking about too much right now for the next day until they lock in on their scout scouting for for game one. Yeah. Um, so because I live uh, in the southwest of the United States and plenty of my friends are from Southern California, last weekend, lots of Ducks fans, a guy asked me, he's like, what do you think is going to happen? And he's actually an American who's into hockey. It's really amazing. And he said, what do you think is going to happen? And I'm like, oh, Ducks got it. And he's like, you think? I'm like, yeah. They just lost their number one center. Number two center isn't playing. Like, I think the Ducks will roll over the next two games and they'll take it four to two. And I was 100% wrong. Like, what happened in the last two games of that series? Well, I'm, I'm uh, impressed. A lot of it's Pekka Rene, yeah, who was outstanding. Um, pretty clearly, the, the Predators got better goaltending than, than the Ducks did. Um, the the Nashville defense is is really, you know, as as good a defense as you're going to find in their top four. They're able to control a lot of the pace of the game. Um, and when they didn't, they had Rene behind them. Mm-hmm. Um, it, pretty clearly we see today with the news today that the, the Ducks weren't healthy. Yeah. Uh, Lindholm and Votten and uh, both shoulder surgery is going to be out five to seven months. You know, so they if they're out that long, man, they must have had a pretty wonky hinge there, yeah. you know, like, for the damage that they had to do. I, I don't know that Anaheim could have done anything different. Sometimes you play great, you do everything you can, and you just don't win. And that's kind of what I what I think of them. You know, like, yeah. what else could they have done? Well, I guess yeah. they could have scored a few more goals. You know, they could have, they could have had a couple of big moments where things went their way and, and not the way that it turned out going. But for the, you know, for the most part, they... I mean, they played about yeah. as well as they can. Yeah, it just didn't happen for them, and and that's, you know, I think that's probably of the times that are really frustrating or disappointing. You you sit there and you look at your what your team's done, and you're like, man, that's all we had. Like, yeah. There, yeah, there wasn't, you know, they had 40 shots, they don't win, and and it's not like they had 40 shots from, yeah, from the yeah. outside. But yeah. in lots of in lots of cases, there I thought in the series, right where it looked like, you know, they were they had the series by the throat or the game by the throat, Nashville's defense would kind of settle things down and help make up for the loss of Johansson and Fiala and Fisher and um, and Craig Smith. You know, like, they're, they're missing some really terrific players. Yeah. And yet, yet they found a way to, to do enough to win. I just thought the center position is so important and those Fisher and Johansson are so good. I'm just like... And Anaheim's uh, it great. is, you know, but Anna, the defense yeah. position is more important. <laughs> true, true. You uh, know, so, and, you know, I, especially, like, I don't know that um, that Nashville has a really true number one defenseman. What they've got is, like, four really great number twos. And so that means there's no, I mean, that's, there's no real yeah. drop-off anywhere for them. And that's... You know, those guys are, they're mobile, they skate well. They pass the puck well. It's it's really hard to believe they were able to assemble a defense like that. And of course, up in Canada here, you know, there's lots of talk about oh, you know, look what PK Subban's done and PK Subban this, that, and the other thing. PK is one quarter of a really terrific defense. They do a great job of 
for all four of those guys are putting them in a position where they're the most successful that they can be. And, you know, Subban and Ekholm have had outstanding playoffs. And for people that didn't know about Matthias Ekholm, they're sure getting an education in them now. Mm-hmm. And uh, you put them with Yossi and Ellis, and, man, that's, uh, that's pretty – that's a pretty good force, and we get yeah. to roll out. Well, there. honestly, you have been talking about those four. I feel like on our pod for three months, <laughs> you're like, "Hey, yeah. nobody really knows about these four guys." Honestly, I bet you I can go back three, four months ago, and you're like, uh, "Hey, there's three, four guys in Nashville that people don't really realize how good those four guys are." And and I, I guess you know what what in this in the cap system. What makes it even more remarkable is the only guy with a really big contract there is Subban. Yeah, yeah, because true. everybody else is is really manageable. I think I think uh, Yossi's at five nine might be the next highest. Uh, Ekholm's at like three five. Mm-hmm. Ellis is you know not that far off that mark. Like they they got those guys. They believed in them and they said, okay, we're going to invest. Yeah, we're going to give these guys the money and hope that we've made the right decision and it sure as heck looks like they have and you know to to talk about nashville again really quickly is that you know david poyle the manager there is, has been in the business for 33 years as a, as a general manager it's the first year they've made the finals there's a there's a lot of people in the game of hockey that are that are happy for david mm-hmm. and um you know one thing that may or may not you know, people might have forgotten about is a few years ago, um, he was near the bench at a practice and a puck deflected up and uh, hit him in the eye. And uh, he's lost most of the vision in one of his one eyes. In one of his one eye. Yeah. And um, uh, it's really a, a pretty terrible thing. I mean, to, you know, just to, he's just kind of just standing there. Yeah. And the way the puck hits him, he, he loses his vision. And so he's just. You know he's a hockey lifer. His uh, his dad was an executive. Mm-hmm. Um, David's been a long time one, and uh, the Predators have have turned into a really good story for years. The only question around the Predators was where are they moving to? Mm-hmm. And now apparently they expect thirty thousand people to be outside the arena to watch really? game oh, game one to or game three game when three, it's right? when it's in Nashville. Um, Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Thirty thousand. Have you ever been to a game there? No, no. Well, the the rink is literally on the corner of where all the bars are. Yeah, which I've and seen so, been there. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> it is probably the most ideal location for an arena in the NHL. Like, if you don't, if if you the game's over, you got you know you're trying to figure out what you do. Well, let's walk down here <laughs> and go into one of the forty honky tonks that are right here. Right. It is outstanding. The, the media is very happy. The media is thrilled right now. <laughs> um, also, too, David Poyle, those capital teams he built in the late 80s, yep. early 90s, they were so good. They had collapses in Game 7, which actually you know carry on to this day. Um, but, man, he built some good teams back then. And, uh, right, and you know. so that's a good point. You know, it's like, so, you know, not only is – you know, as David been a long time executive, they've they've been close oh, yeah. to being good, you know, to being a Stanley Cup team a lot of times, and it's just not happened for them. And it just tells us, you know, again, how hard it is to win. Like you, you know, you you put the pieces together, you make a couple of really strong moves, you you think this is the year that your your team's going to have a chance, and then 
well, something goes wrong. You don't win. You know, you a goalie gets hurt, a, mm-hmm. a star player doesn't get the job done. You know, one of a million reasons that they, that teams don't win, and he's had it all kind of happen to him. And now, you know, you you know, we touch on them losing Johansson and and um, Fisher and Fiala and and Smith. You know, those are four forwards. They used 18 forwards. In the playoffs, like that's ridiculous. You yeah. can't do that. Yeah. How could you be good enough using your 18th forward? Well, somehow they've they've done it. And so for all the years where maybe they were the favorite, and now it looked like they were going to fall apart. Yeah, it didn't happen. Yeah, uh, Peter Laviolette has pretty clearly done a an amazing job in in Nashville. You know, making sure that that system, which is up tempo and fast, is is executed. Uh, you know, there's another move that that David Poyle made. As we think, of, as I think about it, mm-hmm. is that um, you know that Peter Laviolette had yep. been fired twice. Yep. You know, and and not in easy circumstances. Like there's there was a little bit of noise around the you know like the when he got fired in Philadelphia. The owner Ed Schneider at the time said you know that was had to fire him. That was the worst training camp we've had in 35 years here. Oh yeah, it was like seven games in or something, right? Three games. Oh, was that it? Yeah, I remember that. Games. Right. And right. So, like, just think of that. Like, how bad could have things have been <laughs> right. if, if you had to fire the coach that quick? Well, right. but there's also people that, that swear by Lavi. Mm-hmm. And, and so David Poyle had to, had to go out and yeah. kind of do his evaluation and had to make a, you know, a, a tough call. Like, okay, if here's a new coach. Barry Trotz is gone. Who, who's it going to be? And so, you know, he, he made the Forsberg trade. He made the Seth Jones for Ryan Johansson trade. Yep. He made the Subban for Weber trade. It's not like he's sitting there doing nothing, like you know, twiddling his thumbs. This is, you know, this has been it's been a lot of years, you know, in the in the making to be a surprise team. And uh, you know, I, there's an old saying that um, you know he became an overnight an overnight sensation, sensation in 12 years. Yeah. And that's kind of where the Predators are. And um, I'm, I'm glad ma- they've made it. Um, I think this is going to be a really, really terrific final. Um, I've counted the Penguins out 26 times this year. Yeah. Because, you know, I thought at some point losing Chris Letang was, had to be a death blow for them. Yep. Like, I just yeah, we I talked just about didn't it. see. How could, how could you overcome that? Ray, I don't know who and, half those guys are on the team. Seriously, I'm, like, Googling them and looking at them and clicking on their bios. I'm just like, who are these guys? <laughs> well, yeah, because it's not one guy. No, no. It's, it's right across the roster. And, but I guess, you know, a lot of that you have to look at and go, wow, they've, they've really drafted well. They've really, Clearly. you know, these guys that you don't really know about who, who are the immortal depth of, uh, of an organization that, of course, nobody ever talks about because you don't, it doesn't even really mean anything. What is depth? What is depth, right? Yep. Well, it's now the guy that's playing for them. It's yeah. now, you know, last year the, the, the guy in the playoffs who was one of the biggest revelations was, um, was Brian Dumoulin. And Dumoulin played, played a lot with Latang and did an outstanding job in that top pair. And, you know, you know while Latang was playing 30 minutes a game, here's this guy, Brian Dumoulin, that mm-hmm. most people had never heard of. And Dumoulin was doing an amazing job. Well, yep. they had to draft him. They had to find him. And so if you're a team of any, you know, uh, of any salt, you, you've got players that most haven't heard of. You've got players that, um, that can come in and step in and fill in for you, whether it's for, 
five games or ten games or twenty games, and once you get there, they they do the job without much appreciable fallout or fall off, and mm-hmm. that's that's kind of what's happened in Pittsburgh. It's really it's really amazing because it's not it's not Mario Lemieux's Penguins. No, no, so it's not the team that it's, it's this group of guys here that you look at. You, you know, I mean, especially on defense, you're like, I'm not so sure. I know these guys. <laughs> no, although they, they they did get Schultz back finally, but uh, yeah, you're right. And, he, and scores a big goal. Yep, yep. And you know, is not you know he's probably he's probably. I wonder if this if there was ever a a way to find out exactly. At what percentage of health are these guys? <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll find out after, I guess. Well, yeah, yeah, and you'll find out next year when yeah. somebody doesn't start the season and you're like, oh, yeah, I guess that's why. Uh, I thought it – I didn't like Sullivan's uh, starting uh, Murray, Matt Murray, again. We talked about it quickly last pod. But, uh, yeah, played well. So, well, did it again. I, I guess the, the thing there, Steve, is like, you know, it would have been a – for me, it would have been a bigger story had you not had the the success of what Murray had just done. You know, like had, yeah. Yeah. It, it would have been a a real risk had he made that decision with you know with yeah. Matt Murray, uh, 22 years old, who right. had never played or hadn't done much, mm-hmm. you know, or didn't have any playoff experience. Well, he didn't have to worry about that because Murray had all of that, mm-hmm. and so you know. Flurry did an amazing job, and then he kind of had a speed wobble. And just think, it, there, you know, we talked a lot about what David Poyle was able to do. What about Jim Rutherford at the deadline when, you know, their defense was starting to fall apart, and he's like, no, nah, I'm not going to trade Flurry. Yep. He could have. Oh, for sure. And, yeah. and then you would have ended up with some young guy backing him up, Is- and now you're – you know, which would have been fine, except remember, Murray got hurt. That's how Flurry got in the net first. Yeah, would have been. Z- it's, so it's, you know, I, I don't know. It's like you've got to, you know, your management has to make the right decisions. Your uh, coaches have to make the right moves. Your players have to be good, and then you got to be damn lucky. <laughs> because um, yeah. you know, there's lots of teams that make lots of great moves and lots of great trades, and then for whatever reason, it just. Yeah. You know they pull up, they pull up just a little short, and man, that's uh. Well, even uh, even David Poyle, you know, he brought in Forsberg, made some deadline splashy deadline moves, brought in Korea. You know, and, right? It's not yeah. it's not like they didn't try. In no, Nashville. no, yeah, or absolutely. They're, you know, and they were always under the gun because, you know, their their ownership was always a little dicey. You know, like they didn't <clears throat> they didn't have a big hitter. Uh, to write checks for them to go out and and get a real expensive player, so they got Korea a little bit past his best on date. They got the same with Forsberg, and you know they were doing their best with the resources they had, and then, but they they weren't ever like I never looked at Nashville as a, as a organization that said, oh we're pretty good, we're happy with that. Like they always wanted to do more, mm-hmm. they just didn't or yeah. couldn't. You know that was that was always kind of interesting to me and then now all of a sudden they go out and they make these three really big trades and you know i mean like that's a the seth jones trade that's a pretty bold bold trade and one thing that that uh, poyle said was you know we've been looking for a number one center for 20 years yeah and now we went out and made this deal and of course now they don't have johansson which really stinks but but man that helped make them a 
oh. a really, really good team, and and will continue for them to be a good team for for a long time. Uh, following up on uh, you touched on it on PK, you uh, you had some Twitter fights this week with people. It's the analytic guys love PK. You're all and but if you say anything about PK. It's like you shit on him. They think yeah. you just shit on him, and you're like, wait, 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 wait. He's a good player. I, I just there's, there's other great players also. <laughs> where where this all started was a, there's a writer from Montreal who is a um, not a writer and a you know a radio personality, and he's a Subban guy, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Yeah, you can be a Subban guy. Um, and he said, you know, in the first three rounds of the playoffs, Subban was tasked with shutting down Getzlaff, Tarasenko. And um, uh, Taze, Kane, who was and, it? Yeah. No, no, um, uh, and Getzlaff. Oh, okay. So Taves, Tarasenko, and yeah. Getzlaff, and those players only combined for six goals. Mm-hmm. And so the way, and that's all he wrote. Now the implication is, or the insinuation is, you know, PK shut these guys down because, you know, it's a it's a Montreal guy. And yeah. I said, and I just answered, was there anybody else on the ice, or was it just him? You know, of course not. It's not just him. Like, P.K. Subban doesn't shut down anybody by himself, nor does anyone else. Hockey's the type of sport it is that you're, you might be part of the group that is given that assignment. Every time P.K. went on the ice, so did Matthias Ekholm, his partner. And they, and they helped shut those guys down. And so that was just kind of, I was kind of being a smart ass is what I was doing. <laughs> and so then of course that unleashes the, the Subban supporters. And it, for some reason, more than oh, any other player, right? That's what I was saying. Yeah. If you, you, you can't like, I said, I prefer Roman Yossi as a player to PK Subban. That's all I said. <laughs> but by saying that they think that means that I said PK Subban's the worst player in the league. Well, I didn't say either. I said I prefer Yossi on a team of, you know, after after talking about how good their defense is, I just prefer Yossi. I think he's a little bit less risky. He's a more stable player. I think he sees the ice better. Mm-hmm. He's nowhere near as powerful. He's nowhere near as dynamic. But I just, that's just yeah. my yeah, preference. Yeah, right. And so it just unleashes this venom. I know. I, I think it's like not just in sports but in politics. It's like there's 5% on either margin. And the answer to most things is not in those 5%. It's in the 90 in the middle. But that doesn't, that doesn't seem to be able to be possible no. to recognize with, with this discussion. And so, you know, look, I, I don't – look, PK is lively and bold, and I wish the league had more players like him and, because I think it's great for our sport. And I prefer Roman Josie as a player. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> no, look, I know. has had a terrific playoff. So is PK. So is Ryan Ellis. So is Matthias Ekholm. They're not in the finals. All that being said, they're not in the finals without Pekka Rinne. It's uh, it's almost like PK. I don't know how he is as a guy, but he, does he have some great relationships with every media member? Because well, man, PK is, PK you know? is a, um, he's a media yeah. darling because right. he's opinionated and loud and colorful and yeah. he says stuff instead of oh yeah we worked really hard and chipped the puck in and you know we all did our job so of course they're and he's friendly to them yeah. and, and i don't mean that he's friendly and that he kisses his kisses their ass he just 
feels like, as I did, it's part of my job to talk to the media. I, mm-hmm. I just see these guys doing, a, doing their job. I, they like the game. We're talking about the game. It's so hard about that. Yeah. Some guys, it's like pulling teeth. For PK, it's easy. Yeah, I, I feel like you can't, and whether, whether it's listening to shows or reading anything or whatever, it's just PK's the best, and that's it, and, and, and Poyle fleeced Bergevin in that trade. Uh, and, you know, and I'm just like, oh, man. But, okay. but I don't yeah. – I mean, everybody views that however they want to view that. For whatever reason, the Canadians felt they needed to make a move. Now, that's why you pay your general manager, right, to make those moves. But there's no way Mark Bergevin makes that deal with a player of Subban's uh, popularity and contract and stature. He doesn't make that deal without this going through ownership. There's, there's just no way. Yeah. And oh. so, you know, you, you know, eventually, Bergevin has to say yes. I want to make this deal, but yeah, well, th- that's a that's not an easy deal to make. I don't think they got fleeced on the deal. I don't think I don't think they won the deal either. What I think is Montreal looked for something different. They got it. Nashville looked for something that fit into their system. Uh, differently than Weber, mm-hmm. and, they, and they got it because Subban's more of an up-tempo guy. And I, I think it's quite possible that both teams were pretty happy with the trade. Now, I know in Montreal, they're looking at this, and they're saying, yeah, well, that's fine. You can be happy with the trade. One guy's in the finals and one guy isn't. And that is, that is irrefut- irrefutable. Whatever you think about Subban or Weber or Yossi or any of it, the one thing that is a fact is that P.K. Subban is in the finals, and he was never there in Montreal. And no matter what he says, it hurt for him to get traded from Montreal because he loved it there and he had such a connection there. Mm-hmm. Um, but now he's a predator, and now he's in the finals. And um, looks like he's having some fun, and he should embrace it because it's, uh, it's a pretty amazing spot to be you're four wins away from a Stanley Cup. All right, let's uh, let's break this down now. Uh, in my eyes, goaltending and defense favor the Predators. Forwards favor the Penguins. Uh, Mike Fisher's practicing; he's not cleared to play yet, but I'm sure he'll be all right. I think at some point, if not for Game One, what happens, right? Well, um, I think the the stylistic view of the series is. It's good news. It's Nashville and Pittsburgh. It'll be fast. It'll be um, aggressive. Um, there's no way that I think we're looking at a boring series. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm with you that um, Pittsburgh's forwards are more dangerous, certainly without Johansson. Um, that, that really hurts. And Fiala. I, you know, Fiala's well on his way to being an excellent player. Um, so I think that is an advantage. Um, Nashville's defense is, is clearly better. I mean, that's... Yeah. That's not even close. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the goaltending, if if Rene plays like he did in the last series, I give them an advantage. I'm I'm going to pick Nashville mm-hmm. in the series. Um, I, I I think it's a close series. I think it's well, of course it's a close series. Yeah. I mean nobody's right. winning this in four games, but I I just think that Nashville's defense, because of the way they can skate, the way they can maneuver around the ice. I think they have a chance to, to neutralize Pittsburgh's forwards who, you know, aside from not being as, you know, they're not banged up like, the, uh, like Nashville is, but they're not altogether healthy either. 
and and I, you know, I mean, they've had guys in and out of their lineups, and they're basically held together by mm-hmm. fishing wire right now. And um, I, I just think Nashville's got a little mu- a little much going their way right now. They've got a longer break, which I think is going to help them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm going to pick Nashville in six. It's uh, it's interesting that uh, okay, the Penguins have home ice. I get it. But Vegas has put the Penguins as the favorites. I don't see it that way at all. Yeah, they got home ice, and maybe that's just it. The first thing you do is look at a home ice team, and you go, you know, they're favored. But well, I, I think I mean, for this, it would be, you know, Pittsburgh has home ice. Um, you know, they finished uh, over 100 points. I think Nashville had 94 or five points. Nashville also had uh, six players miss over 10 games this year um, in their season. They don't. They didn't have the depth. And they play in a far more difficult division than the Penguins. So, when um, or the Penguins play, the Penguins play in the in the Metro yep. rather. And where Nashville got bogged down was um, their health and the fact that they just they couldn't win in their division early in the season. So they got way behind. It took them a long time to catch up and to wrestle their way in. The Central is a is a tough place to play too. Um, I don't think I don't think anybody's got a you know, such a clear advantage that, you know, you, you, somebody should be a prohibitive favorite. But I can see Pittsburgh being labeled the favorite because of their points, uh, because they're defending champion, because yeah. they have the extra home game. Um, I just happen to think that, that, it, the, that winning, on, winning on the road in the NHL now is far easier than when I played. Uh, because the buildings are different, the, mm-hmm. the rules of the game are you know are different. I just think it's easier to compete on the road, and I think Nashville will get Nashville will get the game that they need to win, and then um, it's going to be crazy town in Nashville <laughs> for for games three and four to start. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I think Nashville will win also, although my opinion doesn't matter much. Um, look, we still got a whole Stanley Cup final series to play, but who? Pekka Rene, I think, is the obvious choice for Conn Smythe with the Preds. Yeah. But who? Oh, yeah. But who would be the Penguins guy? Well, I think Malkin. Malkin, yeah. You know, I didn't. I didn't think he had a great game seven. No. Um, you know, but he's he's had a pretty productive playoff, and um, I I think he would be he would be the guy. Now, you know, you if you remember last year, there were guys that were coming on strong at the end of the playoff. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. Kessel got himself into the mix and. There's still for that stuff. There's lots of time right. to, yeah, to shake knows? out, and sure. what might shake out is somebody we don't think of right now. Somebody yeah, I, that's maybe just on the border, um, but those would be the two front runners for me. Yeah, I don't. I, Phil didn't play great tonight either. I don't know what happened on that one chance early in the game. Oh, he looked like he toe picked or something. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. I, I was expecting him to go down and just rifle it, and then it looked like you know what. It, I guess as I think about it, uh-huh. it's like he almost had too much time. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. Right. And he's like, I'll do this. Nope, 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 maybe I'll do Whoops, and Whoop, then he just yeah. kind of shoveled it wide. Right, I mean, right. If, if I'm Phil Kessel and I've got that wrister, I'm not thinking too often about no. what I'm going to do. I'm going down and I'm shooting that thing. I'm right over the shoulder into the corner every time. Like that is, yeah. that is a gift from the gods. Right. Um, all right, so uh, Preds in six for the Stanley Cup final. TSN Ray Ferraro, NBC Sports Ray Ferraro, you called it. Uh, quickly, we'll, r- we'll wrap up a couple of topics. Uh, I'm tired of hearing about the Ottawa Senators not selling out. I-, I don't care. That's the stupidest story ever. You agree? Well, it's by a couple of, you know, it was a couple of seats. Yeah. Like, or, uh, you know, a couple hundred, hundred seats. Yeah. And, you know, it, 
the, the one thing I would say is like in Canada, whenever there's a U.S. market that doesn't sell out, we get pretty high and mighty about, oh, yeah. oh how come that team can't su- or city can't support, you know, can't support their team. And so I think that's where a lot of the, okay. the stories originate. All right. Um, you know, it's not like they had 5,000 empty seats. No, yeah, um, exactly. It's, like, it's a, um, it's Eugene, a different time. Yeah. I mean, people, you know, people are more inclined to stay home than they, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the tickets cost at the, yeah. at the end of the day there. But in, in some cases, if you're, if you're sitting for, um, you know, you're going to go sit at the top of the rink for 250 bucks or mm-hmm. something like that, or you can sit at home with your buddies and watch the game. I'm, Myself, I'm probably sitting at home. Yeah, I mean, Eugene Melnick's forced to write this open letter. It's like, who cares? Oh, uh, like, but you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm not real sure what you know what that's all about. But right. he just should. let it go. And you know, Tom Anselmi, who came from MLSE, who runs mm-hmm. the Leafs, um, you know, he had a really good point. But one of the biggest problems, he just took over this year as yeah. the, you know as the president and CEO there. And, we said one of the biggest problems we have is that our season ticket base is too low. And so we have to try and address that. If the season ticket base is too low, you're, you're now trying to, to wedge in 5,000 walk-up fans a game. Yeah. Well, that's not going to happen, especially right. where the building is in Ottawa, where you could pick the most difficult place to get to, and this might not be it, but it's right next to it. Yeah, like, so it's a top place to yeah. go. It's like it's like in you've been to games in you know in Phoenix. Yeah, it's a great place. Love yeah. Phoenix. It's awesome. But the rink, yep. great rink. They built it in the wrong place. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and so you can't put the thing on wheels. Now you got a problem. Or um, uh, Miami, good rink, nice rink. Way that, out. There. That by the way is four miles from the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. We went and saw alligators in the afternoon before the game, and it wasn't far to get out to the swamp to go see all the gators. Right so. <laughs> now, my uh, when I was with LA, the uh, they used to call the building at one point the National Car Rental Center. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and um, so the Kings broadcasters get in the cab at the hotel. They say National Car Rental Center. Thirty-five minutes later, they pull up in front of the hotel or in front <laughs> of the airport. airport yeah, <laughs> and they're like, "No, no, no, the rink." And the guy's like, "What are you talking about?" And they're like, "Way on the other side." So they, they almost missed the game. Oh, funny. Uh, final thought for you uh, before we wrap this up: Are you worried about your Red Sox? You have to be a tad worried. I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not thrilled. Yep. Um, I do. I do have a. Uh, before I get to answer this whole question, okay. was is every pitcher in the American League hurt, <laughs> or does or does it just seem like that? I think that 10 day DL. If something if something is the slightest wrong, you slap him on the 10 DL. He misses one start or whatever. You know. Because there's there's like guys flying all over this. So no. Anyways. Yeah. I don't know how the Red Sox and, and fans thought that losing Ortiz wasn't going to matter, mm-hmm. or how they over. I guess they overlooked it because, you know, the Sox picked up Chris Sale, and so you thought, oh, the pitching is better, and that'll, you know, Ramirez had a good year, and right. um, you know, they, they find Moreland, and they'll get enough from three or four guys. But there was, you know, I mean, he's he was the lifeblood of that team, and and, and, and I think aside from hitting forty home runs, right. And so I, I think that's a, a huge loss for them. And then, you know, I mean, their, their pitching has not, not been fabulous. So and they're fighting I, a little I'm not, bit. They're John I'm, I'm a little concerned, for yeah, sure. Yeah. I'm more concerned that the Yankees don't seem to lose, yeah. which is really bothersome for me. Yes, I agree on that. You know, but I'm, I'm guessing by the end of it, they'll be, 
there'll be three or so teams that are, you know, the Yankees will be there, Baltimore will be there, um, Boston will be there. I, I'm, I'm still not, I'm not buying Toronto, but oh, you know, they've they've put together a pretty good, pretty good run to get themselves into into shouting distance. And what the crazy part about baseball is, is like there's 110 games left. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I love, I love the the people that think after the first month when they go, oh look at the Jays, they're dead, they can't come back. There was 130 games left. Yeah, yeah. So they're like, it must be hard though in that sport to get behind the eight ball early, and then and you know well, there's 130 yeah. games left. And you might wonder if your team's any good. I always and you go, oh my god, this season's gonna suck. <laughs> I always have to laugh because you'll see a team in a dugout; they'll be down nine nothing, and they'll be putting shaving cream in the hoods and sunflower seeds on the hats, and and because I think they're just like, you know what? It's 161 more of these. Who cares? Like, <laughs> oh, we got We got to do this tomorrow and the day after right. and the day after. Yeah. So if you're, you know, like in, like in hockey, if you get on a if you get on a pretty good run, and you're you're sitting there and you're you know you're, you're you know you score five goals in seven games, like yeah. you you feel like this energy, because those streaks don't come along very often. In baseball, you might go on, say you go on a streak where you go ten for twenty. That might happen three times in the year. Yeah. But you also might go zero for twenty three. And you're like, that must feel like an eternity. <laughs> and you got to go, man, i got to shake this because I don't want this to turn into 0 for 53. Right. Like the, the, the mental part of baseball to me is, is just fascinating. I, I love it. I, I love thinking about, you know, a, a guy that is so bad at one point in the year and then he gets it together somehow and you're like, man, he must, he must be pretty strong because what he just did wasn't very easy. Yeah, they always say like the worst thing you can do is is start altering everything, and you know, which I guess in hockey you start doing that a little bit, but in baseball just well in hockey same. like yeah, you know, like you you might change the way you you know you might shorten your stick, you might yeah. Yeah. you might change your curve, you might you know, but a lot of that I think you're just grasping. You're tr- you're trying you're trying to do something to change what's not very good right now. All right. Um, I don't think any of it matters. You can't. You're not using your you know. I used the same curve for 15 years. If I got into a slump and changed it, in about 10 days I'd go, okay, this feels really stupid still, so I'm going to get rid of it again and go back to what I always right. use. Well, I enjoy the Red Sox because apparently there's some un- people unhappy in the clubhouse. and Oh, there's all, you know. You know I, I, I'm enjoying all well, there, of this. There's so. another thing. Yeah. You, know, as, you know, when you we started this at some point we were talking about analytics and mm-hmm. you know and, and they the analytics people and I'm generalizing here that's not all but right. they you know they find anything like an intangible or a, um they find that nonsense they they find leadership silly they find yep. grit silly well last year if there were problems in the Red Sox clubhouse Ortiz put his foot down and that was it yeah because he was so well respected now I'm not in the clubhouse, but just everything I read, that was, you know, that's what the impression was. He's not there, and things are going a little squirrely. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's, you know, there's no intent or there's no statistic for that. It just is. Yeah, and you've been in these rooms in hockey where, uh, well, you know, when there's when there's no leadership and things are going bad, when yeah. there's nobody that is respected across the 
you know, across the room, yeah. you know, where somebody gets up and says, okay, enough, then you've got problems. It's all great when everything's going well. Right. Everybody's a good guy then. But as soon as it starts smelling a little bit in there, it can turn into a real stink in a hurry. Like the Thrashers, you guys are like, all right, everybody out for the three-on-three. Audrey, grab a stick. (laughs) We could have had whoever you think the greatest president of all time is or the greatest prime minister, Uh we could have had them in our room. General Patton. General Patton. It wouldn't have mattered. It didn't matter. We would have had had General Patton in the fetal position. (laughs) Watching us, he would have have just said, this is is hopeless. Oh, good times. All right, so Predators and Six. Uh, Predators and Six. Ray for um, I am looking forward to uh, fly out Sunday to Pittsburgh. Um, and then uh, we bang around there for a few days, and then we're in Nashville, and um, we're all looking forward to uh, a couple of days in Nashville. There's a fantastic deli downtown Pittsburgh with uh, corned beef. It's amazing. I'll try to find it. There is, Pittsburgh is an underrated place. You just have to know where to go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So we'll be doing this next week from the road somewhere. Anything somewhere we'll. Uh, you, know a, you know where might be a good place to bang out a quick one is uh, between uh, games one and two, or between games two and three. Yeah. So as the series shifts, let's uh, let's knock one out there. Sounds perfect. All right, Ray Ferraro, catch him on TSN uh, panel uh, up in Canada, and uh, he'll be covering all the games. Oh, and I'm actually calling the games on uh, NHL radio uh, for the finals as well. And Myself, be- Joe Micheletti, and Kenny Albert. Oh, yeah, that will be great. We talked about that last week. That's awesome. Um, all right, Ray, thanks a lot. Appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. You betcha, Steve. Thanks.